Hi, I'm Netta, and this is Real Netta Pieces of My Heart. Let's spend just a few minutes together talking about some helpful concept that I've gathered in little bits and pieces over the years from life experiences, from reading God's word and spending time with Jesus, and just growing and learning, and very often it was the hard way. But hopefully you can walk away from this time with some little tiny tidbit of useful encouragement that you can apply to your life right now. So here are the little pieces for today. Remember when you were in elementary school or maybe even high school, I don't know, and the teacher was going to walk out of the classroom for a couple minutes and so they appoint one of your peers, maybe even a friend, to be like class monitor. And suddenly that kid who's just like you becomes this jerk who's bossy and a tattletale. And you're like, what just happened to you? You got a little bit of power and you just went crazy for your own benefit and for your own feeling of importance. Ugh, (laughs) it's so yucky. And yet we're probably all guilty of it at some level. But that comes to my mind as we're looking at the end of the story of Esther from the book of Esther, which is a small 10 chapter book inside of the Bible, which by the way has 66 books, if you didn't know that. And if you haven't read the book of Esther, oh my gosh, read it. It's a great read. It's a quick read because it's not very long. But Esther now, as you recall, has asked the king to save her people, the Jews, from annihilation because Ichiel Haman, and I say Ichi lightly, he was wicked, had tricked the king into saying that on a certain day, and they had like thrown these dice, basically like lots, they're called to decide that on March 7th of the year, that all of the Jews would be killed. So she rescued um, Mordecai and Haman's now killed and he's no longer in the picture, but that rule or that law that on March 7th, all the Jews should be killed still stands because Persian laws couldn't be overturned. So then she went back and asked for help, right? And her cousin Mordecai was able to, not only did he receive a promotion, but he was able to write another law that went in conjunction with that original March 7th law. And this new law said that, hey, when everybody comes to attack the Jews, you Jewish people are allowed to fight back to the death if needed. And you can take the plunder. Now, something cool, after he sent this, this ruling out, and this was with the king's permission, Mordecai sends this ruling out to all the provinces of the Persian Empire. It says that the people of Susa, which was the... Um, capital city. They celebrated the new decree. Remember, I believe it's in the first episode where we are talking about when this decree to kill the Jews first came out, craziness happened. When poor decisions that are selfish and wicked happen, it makes other people around us go into confusion. But here, a good law is balancing it out and the people celebrated. It says in verse 16 of chapter 8, The Jews were filled with joy and gladness and were honored everywhere. In every province and city, wherever the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival 
and holiday. And many in the people, many of the people in the land became Jews themselves, for they feared what the Jews might do to them. So then the story proceeds on where when that day comes, the Jewish people are able to fight back. And obviously the attack wasn't nearly as bad as it would have been, I'm sure, because now the Jews are allowed to fight back by law. Um, But interesting, it says several times, speaking of the Jewish people, but they did not take any plunder. Plunder's like, you know, what's left over after a battle, like what the enemies had you can take now. They didn't take it. Um, And again, the queen went, this time the king asked the queen to come in, which is a flip of rolls, right? And he's like, how is it going? Here's what happened. And she requested, could it happen one more day? And so the next day on the 8th, the same thing happened again. And the Jews were victorious. And again, it says they took no plunder. And later on again, it reiterates that they did not take any plunder. It says it three times in chapter nine. They didn't use this opportunity of power to benefit themselves personally. Man, when I got to thinking about any kind of promotion that we as human beings get, it is an opportunity for us to make a choice. Am I going to use this for my own personal gain or am I going to use it for the benefit of people around me or the people that I've been asked to serve. A lot of times when we get some sort of leadership position, we feel like the people that are under us are supposed to serve us. And that can, it can just be so icky. And we all know leaders and especially Christian people we've probably encountered where they've had that attitude, like, well, look at me, I'm in charge. I don't do that. Um, Whereas really ministry positions of any kind, any roles that we hold, or any kind of leadership position anywhere, means we are there to serve the people. We're to do things for them. So it's kind of like a little checklist to look over. Like think of who you are sort of in charge of, or what kind of a position do you hold, or who might be looking up to you. So maybe it's not a title, um, but rather just Um, some people maybe who are younger than you that are watching you or looking up to you or employees that are newer and you're kind of training them, just that kind of position. And think about this. Am I a person that makes those people I'm leading feel less about themselves because I'm around? Or do my words actually encourage them and lift them up and help them see their value? Because if we're putting other people down, it's only because we're pathetically selfish and horribly insecure. So we need to be lifting them up. Also, we can ask, um, do I feel obligated to tell them their good things and to help them see their worth? Or am I hoping they'll see my worth and see how great I am and, and make them feel obligated to tell me how great I am? And you're like, that's dumb. But actually, it happens a lot in just adult circles. And obviously, I, I've been in ministry my whole adult life. So that's my main like experience that I'm pulling from, where ministers or, or wives or people in those positions walk around and they're so insecure that they want other people to tell them how great they are all the time. It's just so fake and and so sad. 
Um, Also, another question we can ask ourselves is, do I as a leader take the best for myself? Or am I helping the best get to other people rather than me? In other words, am I taking the blunder? Um, Another question to ask ourselves is, am I always telling everyone how busy I am and how much I work and oh my gosh, look at me? Or are we just doing what we're called to do and what we're supposed to do? And if other people notice, that's awesome. And if they don't, that has to be awesome too. That has to be okay with us. You see, the Jewish people here had opportunity to totally benefit personally, not just by saving their own lives, but like plunder, right? Take the plunder. But so many times I think God opens doors for us and there's an opportunity. And I think he just kind of watches to see, are we going to use this to benefit ourselves? Are we going to use it to benefit other people? Is it for selfish gain or is it to help somebody else? I think that what Esther and Mordecai did was so amazing and they set a standard and the Jewish people did that too then. They didn't make this about themselves personally by taking some plunder or taking something great from that person they just overpowered and scooping up all their belongings. It became about the greater good. It's so, it's so amazing. And it says that um, after these two days... Um, throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, he called them to celebrate an annual festival for these two days. He told them to celebrate, this was Mordecai telling them, to celebrate these days with fasting and gladness and with gifts of food to each other and to present presents to the poor. This would commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies and when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. Um, And it goes on to say that it was called, oh, I'm going to say it wrong. (laughs) And I wrote it down too. And I know I'm still going to say it wrong. And it's pronounced three different ways, but Purim is how I'm going to say it. Um, It's listed in chapter nine, verse 24. It means to cast lots or to like throw dice, so to speak, to figure out that day. And because a dice was thrown to figure out the day when they were going to die and then Slash could protect themselves, that became the name of the celebration. You might notice that on our calendars that we buy anywhere, stores are online, it has in March that Purim date. The Jewish people still celebrate this and how God rescued them from being annihilated by their enemies. Wouldn't it be interesting if on March, it's on March um, 7th and 8th this year, 2023, if we took those two dates, well, for one, it might be really fun to watch a movie about Esther, like A Night with a King or <laughs> Veggie Tales Esther with your kids or something, but also to think, how am I using the opportunities that God has given me? Am I helping other people be better because of the doors he's opened for me? Is somebody else better off in any way because of the way that God has established me? They're good questions to ask. And I think especially as people in leadership, we should continue to ask for that, ask ourselves those questions. Um, I wrote in the 
margin of my Bible right here next to chapter 10. Um, When we have authority, we need to use it for the good of others and to speak for those who cannot. And to remember God's greatest kindness and great power can deliver us. It was God that did that. And it was for the good of others. Let's use our influence for the good of others. And that's just a little piece of my heart.